Let me welcome onto the show now Professor Mosamo Shabela. He's the Acting Deputy Vice Chancellor of Research and Innovation at the University of KwaZulu Natal. Um, Professor Moshabela, good morning to you and thanks for your time today. Good morning, Kathy. Always a pleasure to uh, have uh, conversations with you and greetings Mm. to your listeners. Thank you so much for being available. One of the things that we thought we would do is just to regroup a bit and take a look at where we are in terms of COVID-19 in this country, what we're currently facing in as far as the rate of infections and the number of infections that we are seeing and potentially what that means for us over the next two weeks we are still under the lockdown but i feel it's just important to actually contextualize these numbers for people absolutely and and uh i'm happy to give it a a, a step uh, kathy i think i think w- what we are seeing at the moment um is that um just taking a back step uh, you know when we stand back and look at the full, whole picture yes it's clear that we are in the in the third wave um and i think that it's also clear that the epicenter is is halting but um we are also seeing a situation generally where in the in the country where infections are now increasing elsewhere in in the western cape in in limpopo uh in pumalanga we are seeing acceleration of 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 infections and provinces that were affected earlier and they seemed to have been doing well, like the Northwest and the Free State have, have spiked again. Um, the only province that seems to be kind of uh, taking along uh, in the different direction is, is Northern Cape because it was ex- severely affected early on. And and I think that provinces like Wazunatala are now coming up um, and, and the Eastern Cape are coming up and we are, we are observing them. We are trying to see exactly what's going on there. We know that the background rate of infection when we look at that reproductive number that helps us to to determine whether the infections are still going up it's still above one and when it's one it just means that one person you know passes an infection to another person and the epidemic is sort of on a on a, on a on a steady growth but at the moment it's still above that number and it tells us that the, 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 the pandemic is still growing in South Africa, and this is for the whole country. But also what's been interesting, Kathy, has been us looking closely into each province to try and see what is happening. Uh, you know, for example, we've been looking at, at Gauteng district by district to see what is happening there. Even though Gauteng has this huge acceleration, it helps to look at those hotspots. And we know that Places like West Rand and Houting seems to be slowing down. And if the interventions that are in place uh, benefit West Rand, it may actually have entered its peak. But we have to see places like Ekuruleni and, and Tswani, they seem to be slowing down a bit. Sidibeng uh, is still going up, and a place like uh, City of Johannesburg is the one that seems to be raging still and is still driving those that upward movement of infections in in Houten. And and we know when we enter this point, uh, Kefi, that uh, you know you're you're starting to peak with your with your cases, then it's it, it's leading us into a stage where. We're going to start working towards a peak of deaths as well, and it's something that we have to be mindful of. Mm. That when the when the cases peak, it does not mean that the deaths have peaked, 
we're still going to see a little bit of more of, of, of the death until they also peak. It is really our hope that housing can get into a definitive peak because it's driving the, the infections, not only in South Africa, even globally, when we look at the numbers, housing is really kind of contributing a huge burden of, of, of new infections. I would say, you know, Casey, when one stands back, that's what we are seeing. Mm. We are still observing provinces like uh, uh, Western Cape and, 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 and uh, KZN to see what will happen there. And uh, we were hoping that this two week of uh, level four interventions would help to slow it down. But as we can see in the country, there are other forces and other events and gatherings that may still drive infections. But nevertheless, I think that, um, you know, I would say that it was a good way of trying to limit the speed of infections. Let's see whether it will benefit us in another week or two. But so far, I think that that's, this is what I would say we understand. Well, in conversation with Professor Mosamo Shabela, he's the acting Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research and Innovation at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. So you've heard a breakdown in terms of where we are nationally with COVID-19 numbers. We'll take a look at that rate of infection number and, you know, ask, do comparisons in terms of what it is now versus what it has been and what do we derive out of that particular situation. Let's take a quick break. We continue the conversation after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 21 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the Talking Point. We are uh, reflecting on the state of COVID-19 in the country and really what the expectations that we should have around the movement of this virus over the next couple of weeks in the country should be. Uh, Professor Musa Moshabela is the one that is breaking it all down for us. Uh, Professor Moshabela, one of the things that we've been noting is the record number in terms of daily COVID-19 infections that are being reported. So when we then project to what is likely to happen over the next couple of weeks, do you as experts in this field have a sense of where we will be sitting ultimately when we reach our peak of this uh, of, of, of the spread of the virus right now? Uh, it's a very important question, Kathy. Um, you know, if we were dealing with the beta variant, um, would probably be able to give you better projections because we understand uh, the characteristics of, of that virus a little bit better. It's a bit like when we were in the in the second wave and we were trying to project for what would happen uh, in terms of the rate of infections and cases uh, that were driven by beta variant. We were scrambling at the time, trying to make sense of it. And and I feel like, to some extent, we are in that uh, space again now where we are trying to learn as much as possible about the Delta variant so that we can, we can sort of begin to uh, model uh, how the virus might behave in relation to how, how the population is behaving and the level of restrictions. So there's a number of things that are concerning about the Delta variant. We know that it seems to uh, a person who is infected with the Delta variant seem to pass an infection on average to more people than the beta variant did and more than the previous uh, the wild variant did the d six one four the original virus in the first wave. And we are estimating that, um, you know, with the beta variant, with the original virus, it was about a person could pass an infection to about two to three people. 
With the beta variant, we were thinking about three to four people. Now, with this virus, the Delta variant, we are estimating somewhere between five and six people, but some other people have suggested uh, that it could be up to eight, and we, we haven't confirmed. So somewhere between five and, and eight people could be infected on average by one person who's been infected with the Delta variant. That makes it very difficult for us to start making predictions um, Kathy, because then the, that margin you can see is too wide to make accurate um, estimates. But further than that, I think that what we have been seeing is that uh, you know the interventions themselves uh, you know can be challenging when you're dealing with a, a type of virus that we now know is largely airborne, and there's more and more evidence that shows that you know um, a person who um, has been in a room with an infection you know, 20 minutes later, 40 minutes later, someone else come into the room, they can be infected, even though the person is no longer in the room. So the fact that it is airborne also has really changed the dynamics of how we, we understand the way this virus spreads. The last thing that I just want to mention, of course, it's, it's you know, the usual in terms of the extent to which people will then adhere to to to, to the restrictions, the preventative measures that are put in place, especially the behavioral ones and, and wearing of masks and whether, you know, the masks that we are using are, are effective in, in, in preventing the, the, the infections. But on the whole, I would say that uh, we do expect, we've seen that it's been controlled in other places, even in India, um, you know, to a large extent. So we do think that it is responsive to, to interventions, especially preventative interventions, because even in India, it was not really controlled with, uh, with the vaccines. So the same, the same pattern we saw, Kathy, with the second wave, where we were able to bring down the, that curve of the beta variant with only restrictions and behavioral interventions, I really think that we can do it this time around for as long as there's high levels of cooperation and adherence uh, amongst uh, South Africans. Mm. Thanks for, thanks for that breakdown because it really is important for us to be aware of that information. I mean, the potential of one person infecting between five and eight other people, um, you know, that just means that the rate at which this virus spreads, if it, if, if it isn't contained, can be quite rapid and that it can get out of control very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's why I'm saying that you know, we are finding ourselves a little bit at a loss again now having to make uh, those estimates and our mm. projections because mm. then you have to accommodate the fact that, you know, you know, in the past we'll say you have to spend about 15 minutes with a person before you can be exposed. Now you can be exposed in a room that a person has left already, you know. So And we've seen those, uh, those, those kind of data beginning to emerge in other countries like Australia where they are doing a little bit more accurate assessments of transmission dynamics. Mm. So understanding those transmission dynamics become important in how we then make projections. I am, personally, I am hopeful. I think that, I, I do think that when I see the control that, uh, you know, countries like India have put in place and are seeming to achieve, even without, um, you know, large-scale vaccination, it gives me hope that we are sort of finding ourselves in a similar, slightly similar situation to the second wave, even though it's much more challenging this time around. And it's definitely challenging. I don't want to underplay it in any way. 
Let me go to the phone lines. Uh, Tumelo in Sibukeng is uh, uh, calling us and raising a very important issue. Tumelo, good morning to you. Good morning, Mackenzie. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, sir. Go for it. Mackenzie, um, I do understand uh, what the experts are saying regarding the issue of COVID-19. Mm. The line to you is, is, is really horrible. And I'm going to ask Ronald just to try and see if he can't redial you back so that we're able to get a full sense of what uh, you actually want to say. So I- in light of this question, while we try and reestablish connection uh, with Tumelo, Professor Mashabe, mm. in, in light of, of the situation, right, This is supposed to be the second week of the lockdown. And for all intents and purposes, people would have been hoping that by next weekend, we will be out of here, as in this coming weekend, this will be the end. But if we have not peaked, is it wise for us to come out of the lockdown? It's a very important uh, question you're asking. Personally, I think that if Gauteng can peak, and we have to see this week, if Houting can peak, um, then we should come out of um, the level four lockdown. I, I do think that, you know, it, it, it's a it's a little bit of a risk, but I do feel like, you know, honestly, we owe it to South Africa to stick to the two weeks that we set. If we had a, a, a lot of uncertainty around it, we could have set 21 days from the start. But because we've set 14 days and we've really restricted a lot of people, two weeks is a long time for people who can't go to work and restaurants and stuff like that. We have to really think carefully around around it. I I am more in, in support of us potentially coming out of the level four lockdown if housing peaks and then use adjusted level three to basically contain in other provinces. And, you know, in the second... In the in the in the second wave, we managed with adjusted level three, and I do think that the fact that now we are sensitive to the risk that is there, I'm hoping we can then start talking about other things, for example, the type of masks we wear in public, and, and those kind of things. But then mm-hmm. go to adjusted level three and allow some of the the. the sectors that need to open up a little bit to open up and not keep it too long. That that's what I would. Uh, that's the position that I would take. Professor Musa Moshabel, I'm going to ask you just to hang 10 uh, for me. I'm going to go to the 11.30 news headlines. We'll continue with him for a short bit after this. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Of course, coming up at the top of the hour is the update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo. And as always, they'll bring you all of the developments that have been unfolding. Quite a lot has actually happened this morning. We've had the police and the acting health ministers. We've also had an address by the IFP's Prince Mangosutu Butelezi. I'm sure you'll have uh, all of that on the update at noon. We continue our conversation with Professor Mosa Moshabela, who is the acting deputy Vice Chancellor of Research and Innovation at the University of KwaZulu Natal. Let me quickly take that call from Dumelo in Sibukeng. Dumelo, good morning. Good morning, Mekes. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, Mekes. Mm. Uh, I, I came across some interesting uh, statistics. Uh, they're in Australia. Uh, I believe they managed to vaccinate about 91% of the population. Mm. But then immediately after 
uh, vaccinating the 91%, it was like they were winning. But then the the cases started to come back as high as they, they, are, they are coming now. Now what they are doing now, they are back to hard lockdown. So this thing of, of, of hard lockdowns and everything, I don't see it working, to be honest. Because I had to bury two of my uh, family members from COVID. But mm. I want to say COVID is really, you cannot run away from it. Mm. Okay. But the point is, in mm. case, mm. Uh, it's winter. We, we must ex- we can ex- expect that people are going to get sick. We are going to get flu. Once yeah. you get flu, your temperature will go up. You'll start. Some people will vomit. Some people will have diarrhea. Some people will lose energy. It's like that. Once you go to the hospital, they'll say it's COVID. And once they start saying it's COVID, automatically you start to panic as a human being. Mm. Because you know people sometimes they don't come back from hospital once mm. they are diagnosed with COVID. Mm. Then that thing automatically, emotionally affects people. Then the people started to die. Dumelo, in Sibokeng? Yes. Yeah. Th- thanks for calling in and raising the issue of Australia and condolences to you and the rest of your family for uh, the loss of, of two of your family members, as as you've said. And I suppose just highlighting, you know, this is this is a virus that people are dealing with on a daily basis. And, you know, to think that there's still some people out there who think it's fake news. It's not fake news. People are losing family members, you know. People around us are dying every single day. Professor Mashabela, perhaps just to reflect on on what Dumelo was saying in as far as Australia is concerned. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was just kind of trying to quickly check what the coverage is of vaccination mm. in Australia. I have to confirm and I'll send that to you. But as far as I'm aware, there's no country that has gone above 50% uh, full um, full vaccination for COVID-19. The U.S. and Israel and, um, and 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 the UK are the ones that are that are in the leading um, kind of uh, in the lead in terms of vaccination for mm-hmm. full vaccination for COVID-19. Now, what's important is to note that in this in this in these countries, Israel, for example, the UK, um, for the cases that they have had with the Delta variant, they've had some new infections. But what's interesting is that they are. As the, as the new infections that were diagnosed, uh, kind of the numbers went up, um, these people were having mild symptoms. And uh, we were not seeing a commensurate increase in uh, hospitalization or death, none. So this is what we've been saying, that the advantage of the vaccines that we are using, and they are using AstraZeneca, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and Pfizer. And that we're saying that the advantage is that People don't get severely sick. People don't go to hospitals because after they've been vaccinated, if they get infections, most people will not get inf- breakthrough infections. But for those who do get some infections and test positive, usually it's asymptomatic or mild. And this is important to, to highlight. So I don't necessarily think that the lockdown in, in Australia has to do with um, the, the the sort of vaccine coverage. It's got nothing to do with the vaccine coverage. It had a lot to do with the shock that they had about the airborne transmission that they saw, um, whereby people who have just passed each other even for a few minutes actually contracted uh, the virus and they wanted to control the, the, the virus. They are an island. They are using a similar approach to what New Zealand uses. They are not like us. So they, they are... They are 
their processes around containing the spread of infections is very different from 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 ours. But it's got it doesn't have to do with their vaccine coverage. Mm-hmm. We know the countries that are leading with that, and also I think that you know we must not be helpless. I understand. I agree with you, Kathy. You know, condolences to to the listener and and the family. But I I do agree that we must not necessarily peddle um, misinformation, and even if it's out of uh, frustration or stress or anger or whatever the case might be, pain of loss. We need to make sure that we stick with the facts and we, we inform the, the, the population correctly. And so in this case, it is not um, an issue of the fact that, you know, we're dealing with flu and so forth. We are dealing with COVID. People are being diagnosed. It's a fact. And we need to confront it. If we dismiss it, we keep denying it. We're not going to address it the way that we need to address it. So I just want to make sure that that is mm-hmm. clear. Mm-hmm. Professor Mishabel, I'm about to let you go. You've been highlighting this issue of COVID being an airborne disease. Do you think that that specifically needs to change how the interventions that we are applying are being are put into place. And I'm not trying to start a whole other conversation. Sure. We'll probably have to have it some some other time. But I can, you know, I, I will. Know, I know that a lot of our listeners will start thinking, well, do I need to be wearing three masks instead of one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a very good question. And, and for me, I do think that, Kathy, we need to start that conversation. Um, one is that, we need to understand the danger of gatherings. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And I think if we deal with gatherings, we would have maybe had, we, we would achieve a lot out of that in terms of controlling infections. That is the first thing. The second thing is also then the measures that are put in place when people are in places where they could be exposed. And, and a mask and a good mask is, is going to be an important one. And we have to talk about whether, you know, we should be a little bit more open in terms of people using um, these medical masks and not just uh, cloth masks if they can afford and how to make them available. I know that the resources may not allow us per se or allow mm-hmm. many households. We have to take that into account. But we must not underplay the, the airborne nature of the transmission dynamics mm-hmm. of this virus. We must actually talk about it. The next thing, Katie, I think that's important is to talk about contact tracing. We don't talk much and enough about it. The fact that when you are exposed you, and you're diagnosed, we need to test you early. And when you, as soon as you know or as soon as you suspect, you need to notify the people around you so that people can stay put and not continue to go to places where they could transmit to others. And and this is something that I think we have neglected and we have left behind. Let, let's talk about that so that we can help contain the, the, the infections. Professor Mosa Moshabela, let me thank you so much for uh, your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope that that has helped you in, in some ways in making sense of where we are with this pandemic right now and what we can expect in the next week or two, which is really that we don't know. But what we do know is the fact that we need to continue keeping safe. And yeah, this issue of, of the virus being airborne, You, rem- I remember the beginning, you know, so many callers were calling in. They were like, no, Kathy, this virus must be airborne. You know, if we, if you can't fly, and remember that we're talking about the HEPA system in 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 heli, I mean in 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 aircrafts and how that cleans the air effectively, and many were validly raising a point saying, well, if the air needs to be cleansed, 
Why is it not an airborne virus? And at the time, the scientists were not saying that officially. And so that is part of what we were saying as well, that, well, people can have their suspicions about it being airborne, but it has not been confirmed. And so now it it has been confirmed that it is an airborne virus. And Professor Moshabela raising that issue specifically when it comes to the Delta variant as well and what it means for the country. So very important conversations that we need to be having. I'd say if you are able to, two masks certainly does not sound like a bad idea to me. You know, it, it, rather rather be extra than, than not be taking enough precautions. That's just my sense when it comes to this virus.